Greetings, Rebel fans. My name is Jason Kelly, and this is the Let's Run Podcast. Tonight on the show, we are talking about UNLV's great victory against Isaiah Stevens and the Colorado State Rams. I am joined by my best friend and Rebel fanatic, Kevin Paul. Without any further ado, let's get into it. All right, Rebel fans, I am joined by my best friend and Rebel fanatic, Kevin Paul. Kevin, how are you feeling tonight? Feeling good. Great win. Surprising win, kind yeah. of. Well, kind of. I mean, I, I think most of us thought going in, we were like, oh, we played them close in Fort Collins. Coming back. I I will admit, I, I just wasn't seeing it. Uh, but got to give them credit. They they looked good. They looked disciplined. Um, when Isaiah Stevens hit that three pointer to like bring it to like three point two or three point game towards the end, I was like, not again. Like, I think we were all just so worried that Isaiah Stevens was going to pull something off again, like he always does. But yeah, give him credit. They looked good. I don't. They look good. I don't think I've ever been more like flabbergasted by a loss. I mean, the Utah State game this year was pretty bad, probably comparable. But that last year, man, when when Stevens hit, I think he hit like eight threes in the last two minutes in overtime to to come back and beat us. It was preposterous. But yeah, I I did have um, the Rebels winning tonight in my pregame prediction. I said seventy seven to seventy one. The offenses were a little bit stale tonight. Uh, Colorado State's interesting. They they play kind of like a Princeton style, San Antonio Spurs like beautiful game type of offense, and I think sometimes it's to their detriment because I'm I'm pretty sure that Isaiah Stevens is the best player in Mountain West, and I, I think they take the ball out of his hands too often. I don't know. It was it was bizarre, don't you think? A little bit, and they were talking about in the broadcast i mean he's now colorado state's like all-time leading assist i mean he's like colorado state's all-time leading everything pretty much but you put assists up there as well and in the ball's in his hands but like you said the ball gets out of his hands a lot and especially when it was coming down to crunch time i mean he took that one three but i think that was really the only shot that he took uh getting down the stretch that made any sort of impact on the game uh, they, they do pass a lot, and I, I did see somewhere that they lead, uh, or, or they're high up there in assists. I mean, they had 17 compared to us. And, I mean, you look at the Rebels, we play more of a... It, it seems like there's a lot of ISO, except when uh, DJ has the ball. But, yeah, I, I think he should have had the ball a little bit more down the stretch. But, I mean, I'm not complaining. <laughs> Yeah, I what I thought was interesting and what really relieved me, and I, I've seen I've said this on Twitter a couple of times already, but the fact that we lost that dumb Reno game because of you know bad offense and choking at the free throw line to come back, and I got to give just an MVP shout out to um, both Luis. Who I've been very critical of Luis all year. I, I think he's he's just insane the way that he plays on the court. Just he plays like a madman. And his three-point shooting has been bad for him tonight to finish. I think he finished two of three from the three-point line. And a, a cool, like, 12 of 12 <laughs> from the free-throw line. I know that was that was uh, DJ who finished 12 of 12. Um, but, like, Rodriguez was 8 of 8. But he hit, like, six free-throws in the last 
couple minutes of that game, perfect, got up there, vein, you know, ice in his veins, and just drained him. And I just, I couldn't be any happier with, and Luis, I thought he played a great defensive effort tonight. And Luis and DJ just kind of putting, putting those ghosts away of those free throw woes was really, really enlightening and really encouraging to me. Yeah, Rodriguez played great. He didn't turn the ball over once. So he didn't have a turnover? He did not. A lot of disappointing turnovers then. Uh, the Boons. <laughs> who'd, you, who'd you think? Yeah. So you got me Caleb, Caleb Butter, uh, Caleb Butterfinger Boone here. Uh, yeah. Who'd you Caleb, think? Caleb Butter Boone. Yeah. So, Butter Boone is. <laughs> that's my new nickname for him butter boot you know he didn't play very much he he played no, he got just over 20 minutes yeah I, I tweeted this out during the game that um caleb boone got benched for isaiah Cottrell. and i i like isaiah i think he's a guy with a lot of talent but if you've watched him at all this year he's just not he's not it like he's not played well he's not fit in with the system um he just he's really struggled to find a place on on the floor and if you're getting benched for him when you're supposed to be probably you know our lead i think caleb is still technically our leading scorer um and you're getting benched for isaiah control that's not a good look well what do you think's wrong with caleb right now he's he gets in his head a lot and everybody can see that Uh, he's very um He's very outspoken in that sense. Both of the Boons are pretty outspoken about that. You you can tell um, they wear their emotions on their sleeve. Um, the bad ones as well. So I think he's in his head a lot. When he misses a free throw, he gets really upset. When he turns the ball over, when he fouls, um, someone misses an assignment, including himself. He's quick to turn around and like put his arms up like, what's going on? <laughs> and and I think that's kind of detrimental to himself. But I thought Cottrell did okay going in there. I mean, he was a big body. I mean, even Carl Jones went in there, which was kind of surprising for just a couple minutes. Got a couple fouls and then went out of the game. It, yeah, overall, I think, though, I think. Go go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that having Carl Jones just go in and get two or three personal fouls. That's all I want from him. Just go in, punch somebody in the head. I mean, you know, in, in the most respectful way possible. And, but like the fact that Carl Jones is getting minutes over Cottrell was always kind of weird to me. It's, it's a little interesting. And, and overall this, it's interesting to see how we started the year with like, okay, these were the players that were going to get a lot of minutes. And I know Jalen Hill was, it was, got injured. So that's kind of different. But then you look at how the roster is now, how the lineups are. And you see players like Brooklyn Hicks getting over 20 minutes a night. Justin Webster comes off the bench for just a couple minutes. Jackie Johnson doesn't play much. Cottrell is playing way less. I think we all thought like Shane Knoll, for example, was going to get a lot more minutes. It's really interesting to see like the flow of like how the season has progressed. Who's actually ending up being like our impact players. Like Rob Whaley, I kind of thought he was just going to be a dud. Like those first couple games, I was like, oh man, like. How was this guy like in Juco player of the year? But now he's kind of blossomed, which by the way, do we, do we know what happened to him? Yeah. So I, uh, Rob's father, Rob Whaley senior 
uh, which is, is a cool guy. He played in the NBA. I, I Rob Rob grew up in Utah. His play his father played for the Jazz, um, and Rob grew up in Farmington, Utah, which is interesting. Um, and his father tweeted out uh, to me and a couple other people that his son uh, Rob just suffered a low ankle sprain. It wasn't uh, Achilles. It wasn't an ACL. Um, he I I don't know if he'll play on Wednesday. I'm not sure. Uh, or Tuesday, whenever we play Wyoming, when do we play them Tuesday? Um, it's Wednesday. So I, I don't think he'll play at Wyoming, but I'm pretty confident that he'll play, um, on Tuesday. I'm pretty confident it's not a season ending injury. So he'll be back for sure for the San Diego state Nevada game. Uh, sorry, the Reno game. I can't catch myself doing that. Saying, saying, I know, sorry, sorry, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure Rob's okay. Um, but if Rob's out, I mean, we were just talking about Caleb. Like, we need Caleb to be a competent player who can catch a basketball and not turn it over every time he, you know, every time he touches the ball. I, what do you think's causing these turnover problems for Caleb? You know, especially if Rob's going to miss some time here. Um, what, what's causing these issues for Caleb? I think first off, you see how the season has progressed. It's been a frustrating season for sure. And, and I feel like if you're one of the Boone twins who's come over, you bought into like, okay, this is the year we make the NCAA tournament. This year's different. And then you see how the year has kind of gone. Like, I know we're on like a good, you know, we're trending in the right direction, obviously. But you see just how the season has gone overall. And you're later into the season. Uh, frustrations just start to come out. I mean, you're more fatigued. Um, players who are a lot more emotional and a lot more expressive in that sense. I think that comes out even more as the season goes on. And he's no different. But with Rob Whaley gone, we need almost like a Caleb Boone who is coming out like against uh, Creighton, you know, putting up insane numbers. Uh, th that's what we're going to need moving forward. And of course, DJ, we're going to need him to really take over the scoring as well, which he played fantastic as well down the stretch. I'm going 12 for 12 on free throws, especially after he had an opportunity to beat Reno from the free throw line and he missed those free throws. So to come back and hit free throws down the stretch, that was awesome to see. Yeah, I, I was really proud of DJ tonight. But your, your point about Caleb's stands, like Caleb in 29 minutes against Creighton went 12 of 17 from the four, 25 points. Then... Uh, the next game against St. Uh, St. Mary's, which is a game where the Rebels led by eight, you know, in in double overtime uh, and lost, by the way, uh, what, my, might be our dumbest loss of the year, actually, which is which is saying something. I mean, like we've had worse losses, but that St. Mary's loss might be the dumbest loss of the year. And then uh, against New Mexico at home, Caleb Boone goes for a cool 29 points and like 11 rebounds. Um yeah, and it, I I just I don't really know you know against at Colorado State Caleb Boone had twenty one points, um, and then you you kind of see them just like not keeping his effort high enough. Like I, I'm I'm not entirely sure what's wrong. He's let a, he let our team in scoring a lot of games, but then he'll struggle. Um, and I don't know I don't really know what the answer is when he's catching the ball in the post. Teams have figured out that if you crowd him. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be a fast enough decision maker to punish uh, you, and that's that's my biggest issue with Caleb. Is when he's catching the ball in the post, he's getting crowded immediately, and he's just not decisive enough with the ball. He's so focused on scoring 
um, which makes sense. I mean, he's a good scorer. If, if he gets a shot off, I have confidence he'll make it. But he's just getting crowded so fast, and Mountain West teams know that, and they just go steal the ball from him. And it's it's become a real issue for him. Both Boone twins, I mean, they, they both have this, like, incessant need whenever they get the ball to shoot the ball. And I think part of that is because, I, I mean, surely when they came and, and they signed on to the Rebel program, it was the expectation almost that they were going to be leading the team in scoring, which, I mean, obviously, I, I, I wish that would be the case anyway, but it hasn't happened. But anyway, it seems like, oh, I I'm, I got the ball in the post, which, you know, side note, Caleb Boone, for getting the ball in the post, a lot of times he does it. I mean, it's way out, almost to the three-point line where he's, like, posting up, and then he traps himself in the corner. Yeah, he, like, traps yeah, he, himself he, he, in the baseliner in the corner, and then he turns the ball over trying to get out of it. Yeah. He's getting, teams are just, like, when when he's getting getting ready to post up, he's not establishing position well enough. And this is something that Rob does really well, actually, uh, but that Caleb really struggles with, is that when he's getting the ball passed to him in the post, he loses like two or three feet away from the basket because whoever's guarding him will just kind of shove him in the back and push him out of the paint. And then because he's so far away from the basket, he can't score, he's too far. And whoever is doubling him, because he's going to get doubled every time, in college basketball, it seems like even if you... You know, even if your player who's in the post who has the ball sucks, doubling is just a smart move. So he's going to get doubled. And he doesn't have anywhere to pass it because of where he's catching the ball. And he he just has bad hands. And it's interesting because he's got really good touch around the rim. Like, if he gets it up, he'll, he'll put it in. But he just can't seem to hold on to the ball. I agree. I agree. It, it, it's yeah. tough. It's tough. Back to Back to the game, you know, tonight. Can we, can we just oh. appreciate the fact that we shot 31 free throws in a college basketball game? I mean, when was the last time we, we shot more free throws than three-pointers? I mean, Is it, that it's true? crazy. I, I don't did, want to sound right? like, oh, like we need to shoot less three-pointers. and But, I mean, the fact of the matter is we don't shoot the three well, and we finally got to the line enough for it to really make a difference to offset our bad three-point shooting. And that's got to have had an impact, you know, in us winning this game and their players getting into foul trouble towards the end too. It, it, it was nice. Yeah, I think we just out we just out physical them. We, I mean, we out re rebounded them thirty four to twenty seven. We ended up shooting a higher free throw percentage, even though we were so bad in the first half. I mean, we missed like three three in a row. Um, we ended up shooting a higher free throw percentage. And when it comes to the three point shooting, we finished thirty five percent from three, six of seventeen. That's about as that's about as good as you're going to get from this roster. Like, uh, unless Justin Webster suddenly transforms into the player that he was last year, finishing 35 percent from the three is a great result for the Rebels, uh, and it makes up for the fact that we had such a low. We only shot 37.8 percent from the field overall, and that's lower than what Colorado State shot actually. So, pretty encouraging game for the Rebels, honestly. Uh, a good good to finally win one of these. The Rebels have lost so many games at home. You know, they lost the Reno game. They lost the Utah State game. And something else that I wanted to point out about this game is that this team's offense seems to always run through the post. We throw it down to Rob. We throw it down to Caleb. Uh, and we score, you know, with our back to the basket, kind of driving to the hoop. But that wasn't the case this night. Like, the team won by with free throws, drives to the hoop, 
uh, and good enough three-point shooting. And it was really encouraging for me to see the team win in a way that was different. Um, because they were kind of one note, and, I'm, and I'm su- I was surprised how well, how, how different they played tonight versus their other wins. I agree. It, it also helps that Isaiah Stevens <laughs> only scored 18 points. <laughs> so oh. I, I, it, that helps. But yeah, I mean, despite the bad, you know, you look at it on paper, you know, we shot 37, almost 38% from the field. But like you said, we got past it with the free throws. I mean, the fact that we shot 84% from the free throw line, I, I feel like it's like a tradition at UNLV to have you know, subpar free throw shooting. So it's nice that that didn't happen tonight. It, it, it gives a lot of confidence moving forward. You know, I think what four games left in the, in the conference mm-hmm. season, it, it, a lot of confidence moving forward. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of look at this, uh, the rebels upcoming schedule, uh, as we celebrate this incredible win, uh, that the rebels really needed. Um, so the rebels next play in Laramie, that's on Tuesday. Like we, like we said, uh, Ken Palm has that as a 75 to 70 win for the Rebels. Um, and then they play San Jose at home. So this game at Laramie, uh, Wyoming's struggling right now. They, they got absolutely, uh, mollywopped by Boise State at home tonight. Uh, Boise State went into Laramie and won 92 to 72. So not a great defensive effort for, uh, the Cowboys. Um, and New Mexico and Utah State have both gone up there and, and won uh, somewhat comfortably up in Laramie. So it's a trap game, but I feel confident that the Rebels can win as long as, you know, there's no boneheaded coaching or boneheaded plays. I, I think they can win. And then obviously the San Jose game, I mean, no game in the Mountain West is going to be taken for granted. I don't know if you saw that uh, New Mexico lost to Air Force at home tonight. Yes. It's it's ah. that. <laughs> Oh, crazy. Oh my God. <laughs> what a ridiculous, what a ridiculous thing to do. I mean, like, I, I posted after that game, you know, the meme of, of the two people being like hung, you know, for murder. And it's like first time. Yeah. And then one guy, I, I posted that to all, I said to New Mexico fans, you know, UNLV fans to New Mexico fans, first time, because we know how it feels. <laughs> Would you rather lose at the buzzer or lose by 32 at home to Air Force? Uh, that's the question. <laughs> to be fair, oh, yeah. I would rather be in New Mexico situation overall because <laughs> they're probably yeah, still going to make the tournament. But I mean, yeah, they probably I mean, they probably have to win. I mean, if you look at their schedule upcoming, I know we're kind of going off on the edge here, but if you look at their schedule, they still have to play at Boise. Then they get the Fresno State at home. They'll win that game, and then they have to play at Utah State. And they have, I mean, they have six conference losses right now, so. I mean, not great. Let's let's take a look at the conference standings. You know, maybe we can illuminate all of the craziness happening in the Mountain West right now. So uh, Utah State and Boise State are in first place uh, in the Mountain West at ten and four. Uh, UNLV does have the tiebreaker over Boise State because they won that head-to-head matchup, uh, and Boise State still does have to travel to Viejas. So if UNLV, you know, so I, I don't think Boise State will finish with four losses. I'm pretty sure they'll finish with five losses. Uh, Utah State pretty clearly in the driver's seat for the conference title. Uh, it would take them losing at home to New Mexico to really drive a wrench to th- into things. Uh, and San Diego State, they have five losses right now. 
uh, they have to come to the Thomas and Mac. Now, the Rebels have not beaten San Diego State in the Thomas and Mac since 2017. So that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence that we're going to be able to win that game. But the Rebels are a game out of first place, man. I mean, like, they're still in it despite, despite the terrible choke against Reno, despite the 32-point home loss, despite the refs clearly stealing a game from us against Utah State. It's pretty remarkable that the Rebels are still in it, don't you think? It is, it, especially thinking, you know, a couple months ago and, and even, you know, last month when we lost to Air Force at home by 30, who'd have thought that we'd be in the mix, you know, right, right up around that. I mean, the Mountain West is so tough, but it's so nice that we are competing and we're not one of those teams that are reeling towards the bottom. It, it's really nice. I know we talked about this earlier, uh, not on the podcast, but... You know, if it was like 10, 15 years ago, thinking uh, or, or someone saying there's going to be six teams from the Mountain West that make the tournament and UNLV is not going to be one of them. I mean, that's just insane. But th there's been some talk where if UNLV, if they were to have, uh, you know, say they go three and one to finish out the, the regular season here and then they make a deep run, if, if they were by, you know, some means to make the conference tournament final maybe not win it but at least the final there's a shot of them getting an at-large bid at least there's talk about that i don't know how true it is but it, it's nice to dream about that that we're actually in this mix for it so if the rebels win out uh one if they win out they will likely come in uh second place in the conference with tiebreakers over boise state and New Mexico, and maybe Colorado. Actually, yeah, we, we, we have Colorado State a point differential. Uh, so it's going to be matchup. You know, there's going to be some weird matchup things in the conference tournament. But say that the Rebels were to win out. They were, they were able to beat Wyoming and beat San Jose, and then uh, complete the impossible task of beating San Diego State at the Thomas and Mack Center, um, which, you know, hit the house of horrors for the Rebels against the, the Aztecs. And then I do predict, I, and I said this in my pregame prediction for the Reno home game, I do think the Rebels are going to go up to Reno and win in Lawler. Uh, I might even be traveling up to that game myself. We'll see. Not, yeah, it might be in the cards. Um, you know, it's a business expense. The Let's Run podcast, you know, the fastest growing podcast in America. Uh, <laughs> at, least I, at least I want it to be. You know, we have such a vast, a vast audience um, of, of, of Rebel fans. But, you know, say the Rebels were to win out, that would put them at 20 and 10, or, yeah, that would put them at 20 and 10. Uh, they would still have three quad four losses, which is preposterous, but, you know. Um, and then say they were to win two games in the Mountain West tournament. I think that might be enough to get them an at-large bid. Now, if they were to lose one and then win two games in the Mountain West tournament, that's probably enough to get an NIT bid. And if Kruger can get even to the NIT, he's completely safe to me. I, I think an NIT bid is, you know, with the Jalen Hill injury um, and some of the weird early season stuff with Caleb Boot getting a DUI, if, if Kevin Kruger were able to turn this year into an NIT bid, I think that would be perfectly fine. I'd be, I'd be, per as long as DJ Thomas was coming back, I'd be fine having Kevin Kruger coming back next year for his fourth year. Um, but if they were able to make an NCAA run, then 10-year extension. 
the 12-year extension for Kevin Kruger. I'll, I'll take him out to dinner. He can have whatever he wants. He can. I'll take him to McDonald's. He can get like a 10-piece, whatever he wants. Um, it's not likely. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, you know, the Let's Run podcast is very poor here, but you know, we're trying to expand our avenues um, here in the studio. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, how likely how likely do you think that even is? You know, them winning out is probably what it would take to get to the NCAA tournament. I think because I don't, I just don't see them winning the winning the conference tournament. Not when teams like San Diego State exist. I agree. I think based on where we're at and how we could put together a three and one record to finish off the regular season and have some success in the conference tournament. We were to get to the NIT. I agree. I, I I was thinking this whole season we just need some sort of meaningful postseason. One of the ones where you know the expenses are paid not by the university to go and travel and do these games. So you know NCAA NIT. That's what we need. Yeah. And you know, of course, we never accept any other postseason bid anyway. But I feel like we would accept an NIT bid. And that would be great. And, and I agree. I think Kruger would be safe just because of the way that the season has turned around with momentum going into the offseason, if that were the case. Uh, you know, and a lot of excitement going, you know, towards the next season. But we just got to get there. I know Wyoming's reeling right now. I, I feel like we could win that. San Jose State, I mean, you never know. I, I think Tim Miles is an awesome coach. And San Jose State's record, I think it betrays them a little bit. Um Maybe they're maybe they're more of what we this year what we thought they were going to be last year, but either way, you win that one, you could do the impossible against San Diego State. I, I think it's more realistic that we could win at Nevada. I mean, we show that we can hang with them, and we should have beaten them, and you know we show that we can be better than them. So that would be great, a uh, great way to you know finish the regular season getting above twenty wins. Yeah, twenty wins. Twenty wins is a good mark to get to. I mean, if 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 you told me after we lost, uh, when we lost that Loyola Marymount game, man, I the podcast that I recorded that night, uh, December 9th, it was like it was like the day after the shooting at UNLV. I was in the middle of finals. That was a rough time for the. You're at the Let's Run podcast, man. That was that was a rough time after that Loyola Marymount game. If you told me that we would beat Creighton and then end up being, you know, in the in in the in the hunt for the conference title, I probably would have been okay with that. Um, and honestly, the win at Boise State is still my favorite moment of the year. What a heck of a! I mean, nobody wins at Boise State. I, I know Utah State did, but we had been beaten by Boise State so many times in a row. And so to go up to Boise State and win and and be in contention, I, I think there's some progress here. But Kruger does have to finish strong. He loses at Wyoming or loses at home to San Jose. And a lot of this goodwill that he's built up is 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 completely gone in my eyes. So it's it's and, and that's, I'm not asking too much here. If he can beat Wyoming and beat San Jose and then split versus San Diego State and Reno, that's that's a pretty acceptable. He'd finish uh, what would he be uh, six losses. Um, so that would put him at eleven and six, twelve and five, or no, twelve twelve and six. He'd be at twelve and six. I feel like that would be a pretty good performance in the Mountain West overall. College basketball is a weird place. Definitely true. But all right, Rebel fans, I am Jason Kelly. That is my best friend and Rebel fanatic, Kevin Paul. And I will get you out of here. 
All right, Rebel fans, I want to get you out of here. Uh, thanks for listening tonight. Great win for the guys. Uh, really fun stuff going on. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, spending lots of time with the people you love, and let's run.